Hello there and welcome to Fabulous Folklore, the podcast for all things folklore, occult and just a bit weird. I'm your host Icy Sedgwick, blogger, fantasy author and your guide into these rather mysterious realms. I've got some rare things to show you, so come on in, take a look around, but be careful not to touch anything. These things sometimes bite. Well, hello there and welcome back to Fabulous Folklore with me, your host, Icy Sedgwick. You can probably tell by my voice that I'm still not 100% well, but you know I'm like a trooper, putting these episodes together for you because, quite frankly, it's the best part of my week. Also, can you believe that we're up to episode 40 already? It literally only seems like yesterday that I was putting the very first episode on the Hand of Glory together, way back whenever that was, well, 40 weeks ago, I guess. And here we are now in Halloween month, sliding towards October the 31st with ever-increasing speed. And I'm just thinking, why God, it's amazing how far the time has come. (sighs) Now, as I say, we are looking at all things Halloween-y this month. So obviously we looked at cats uh, at the beginning of the month. We looked at the number 13 last week. This week we're doing broomsticks and how they appear in folklore. We're looking at pumpkins and jack-o'-lanterns next week and then the final October episode is going to be Halloween spells just in time for the big day. But as I say, this week is broomsticks. And basically, just as cats are intricately bound up with the image of the witch, so is the broomstick. It's widely believed to be the witch's favourite mode of transport and it serves as both vehicle and tool. Or does it? Just why is this humble household item so common among depictions of witches? I do think that you've got to take Harry Potter into account here because it then took this piece of transport and turned it into a piece of sporting equipment through the invention of Quidditch. But as Halloween draws closer and broomsticks start quivering in anticipation, let's have a look at the folklore around them. Now, unless I've missed a memo or two, it's highly unlikely that witches actually flew to sabbats on broomsticks. Sabbats, if you've never come across them before, are basically witches' gatherings. And if you've seen the horror film The Witch, which I hated for various reasons, I won't go into them now, the gathering at the end in the clearing, that's basically a sabbat where all the witches are gathered together. You'll notice in that film, nobody's on a broomstick. And... The idea was that people would, or witches would come from far and wide to attend these sabbats and obviously the easiest way to get to a lot of them was on a broomstick. I did mention a couple of weeks ago in the Vampire Rabbit episode that some people also thought witches could turn into hares and therefore just rock up to the sabbat as a hare. So apparently they had options. Anyway, it's unlikely that, as I say, that they actually flew there. And some speculate that witches used a so-called flying ointment which induced hallucinations or transcendental experiences. So they'd be hallucinating the experience of flying rather than actually flying. But to be fair, I'm pretty sure a lot of non-witches also did that in the 1960s. And you don't always see them demonised by popular culture. Anyway, this flying ointment is essentially made up, most people believe, from deadly nightshade, wolfsbane and henbane. All of them shockingly toxic in varying doses. So basically you would then make this ointment and then smear it on and away you would go. And I think it's notable that it's these really deadly plants, A, because of the chemical makeup of them and the hallucinations that they would induce, but also B, the fact that people would be scared of them, so therefore it would make an easier link with the witch than something like daisies. And then over time, the belief that witches consorted with Satan, mixed with the idea of the the old lady just sweeping our floor in our little hovel near the near the woods, and the broomstick then 
got conflated between the two into a method of transport. Maybe someone discovered the idea of flying ointment and took it literally. Who knows? Now, I did read a book years ago, and sadly I forget which one, that claimed that the witches smeared the ointment onto the broomstick itself to enable actual flight. However, that is also not what I discovered while researching this post. And I should note, maybe put your fingers in your ears, if you're squeamish, there's a second rather naughty link between the broomstick and flying ointment, which was proposed by the Atlantic. You may be able to guess where I'm going with this. But basically, at its heart, taking such a potent mix of hallucinogens internally causes a whole range of really unpleasant side effects, which range from nausea and vomiting to death, the most unpleasant side effect of them all. Whereas absorbing these through the skin gives the best experience and skips all the side effects, which is why some people still make such ointments now for the the positive effects that you get with them. And it turned out that the armpits and the genitals proved to be the best places to apply this ointment to get the strongest results. You can work out for yourself why the handle of the broom might make such a good applicator for an ointment like this. So the idea being you smear it on your broomstick, sit yourself on it and away you go, literally. Now, interestingly, the first known reference to flying broomsticks actually comes from a confession made by a male witch in 1453. However, this confession was made under torture, so I'm going to doubt its veracity. And you do find this quite a lot with the witch trials in general, that a lot of the things that were confessed to, you can imagine were actually put there by the person doing the questioning or the torturing. So people are just agreeing to it to make the torture stop. They're not agreeing to it because it actually happened. So you've always got to bear that in mind when you're reading these confessions. So if somebody was torturing you and said, do you fly on a broomstick? You would probably say yes, just to get them to stop. Now, broomsticks were more commonly used around the house. As you can imagine, they're relatively simple to make. You just need one nice, long, straight branch for the handle. And then obviously all of the twigs bound together on the end. Quite straightforward. Some modern witches still use broomsticks to cleanse their ritual spaces because it's a good way to sweep away negativity before you cast a circle. So as a result, there are quite a few broomstick superstitions around cleaning. The first is you should never use a brand new broom to sweep dirt out of the house. You should actually sweep something in from outside first. I've no idea why, that seems like doubling your workload, but never mind. And likewise, if you're going to clean outside, you should actually sweep inside first before you then take your broom outside. I would say just have two separate brooms, but there you go. Do you need to sweep under someone's feet? Tell them that you'll dance at their wedding or you'll pass on bad luck when you sweep under their feet. You should never sweep after sunset because otherwise you might sweep away happiness or annoy a wandering soul. And if you move house, leave the old broom in your old house because brooms actually get attached to houses. What you should do is buy a new one for your new home. I should note, this only applies to brooms used for actual cleaning. Those used for magical purposes apparently are quite happy to move house with you. I also can't find anything to suggest that these same superstitions also apply to vacuum cleaners, so you should be okay with your Dyson. And despite their negative connotations as the best way to travel for witches, and obviously these weird cleaning superstitions as well the broomstick's actually a bit of a strange protection device and there's quite a lot of superstitions or beliefs that say it being used to protect your home you can cross a broomstick in a spade outside your front door which protects your house from lightning strikes which is quite impressive you can put a small broom under the pillows of children to protect them while they sleep you can hang a broomstick on the bedroom door to sweep away nightmares 
you can cross two brooms and hang them on the door to guard the house. And if you want to speak to the daily departed, you can put a broomstick across a doorway and they'll be able to communicate with you as long as you leave the broom where it is. And then you should lay a broom across the doorway to keep evil out. So you can probably see why so many people would have broomsticks around the house. I mean, on one hand, you've got, you know, they're a handy cleaning tool. They're quite good for keeping your house a bit nicer. But then they're also quite useful for protecting your home as well. And you can see why the cleaning properties of the broom would lend themselves quite nicely to the idea of sweeping away negativity. But I hope you've also noticed the fundamental problem with the idea of witches using broomsticks. Because if witches were considered evil in days gone by and a broom across the doorway kept out evil, why would witches ride them through the night sky? It doesn't actually make any sense. And speaking of not making any sense, broomsticks also feature within some marriage customs. Now, according to Alan Dundee's, he says that it was a Welsh gypsy tradition for couples to jump over a broom placed in a doorway to get married. If they wanted to end their marriage, all they had to do was jump backwards over the broom and back out of the house. I'm assuming this is at a different point in time. And as long as the same witnesses were present, the marriage was considered dissolved. Now, this actually reflects a belief in the southern Tyrol region that newly married couples had to step over a broomstick when they first entered their home together. And for Dundee's, it reflects this belief that stepping over a broomstick wards off evil demons. So it makes sense that that would be the first thing that you do in your new home with your new partner. Now, in 18th century England, there was such a thing as a broomstick marriage, and this actually referred to a ceremony of doubtful validity. Now, I should point out there's no actual proof that anyone jumped over broomsticks as a form of civil marriage. Instead, the term meant sham marriage, and people sort of seemed to understand what that meant. So I suppose it's a little bit like, you know, people who say that they're married when they're actually not, just for the appearance's sake, I guess. So... People at the time knew that it meant it was a sham marriage, but it's possible that later generations just took the term literally. And there's a reference to such a marriage in Great Expectations, so it's likely that contemporary readers recognise it as an informal agreement between a couple, so there was no actual broomstick jumper necessarily involved. That said, there is an illustration of a broomstick wedding from 1822, which you can find on my blog post for this episode, which is icysedgwick.com forward slash broomstick. And that seems to imply that, yes, people did jump over a broomstick in order to get married. And jumping the broom also appeared in the 1840s and 1850s in the American South, where slaves used it as a marriage ceremony if they weren't legally allowed to marry. And there's quite a lot of evidence of this actually taking place. And the custom saw a resurgence after the publication of Roots in 1976. However, Dundee's actually did some digging into this and he points out that there isn't much evidence for the custom in African societies before the era of slavery. So he sees it instead as more of an antebellum custom instead. And obviously the association between brooms and witches saw jumping the broom adopted as a wedding custom by some Wiccans. If you've never come across Wiccans before, it is a kind of a branch of witchcraft but it's more of an actual official religion now and it was basically created by Gerald Gardner in the 1950s based on older traditions that already existed. Now you can be a witch and not be Wiccan in the same way that you can be a Wiccan and not a witch. There are quite a lot of sort of formal ceremonies and so on involved in Wicca and one of them as I say does involve jumping the broom. Another wedding custom is that of hand fasting so obviously literally binding the two hands together and all that kind of thing. Just wanted to throw that in there. 
But the main reason why I find all these associations between broomsticks and weddings quite interesting is there was also a, a, a strange superstition in Yorkshire that young girls had to watch where they put their feet because if they stepped over a broom, they'd become a mother before they became a wife. So there was this fear almost of broomsticks as well as them being used as a protection device and a, a means of getting married that then also became a a, a premonition of, of your, your life taking a slightly different road shall we say. Now I do think that the popularity of religions like Wicca or uh, Quidditch and so on have rehabilitated the broomstick in more recent times but some people still obviously think broomstick and think of someone like the Wicked Witch of the West which isn't necessarily fair. But my question is what would you use a broom for? Would it be a means of avoiding using public transport which I think is absolutely fair or would it be a means of cleaning your home or ridding your house of negativity? Feel free to let me know whichever one that would be. That's it for this week's episode. I should point out that I'm just putting the finishing touches to the first Patreon subscriber only podcast episode and we're going to be looking at more things like ghostly and supernatural in these bonus episodes and I'm just putting the finishing touches together for that. So if you are interested in getting access to that, you can do so by becoming a patron of my podcast and blog and you'll be able to get access to all that there. So obviously just click the link in the show notes and that'll take you where you need to be. Other than that, I'll be back next week with the folklore of jack-o'-lanterns and pumpkins and all that kind of lovely stuff. So have a lovely week until then. I will see you soon. Cheerio! Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to subscribe using whichever podcast app it is that you prefer. If you do use iTunes, if you could leave me a review, that would be fab. Basically, it just means iTunes are more likely to recommend this to other people. And if you're interested in more folklore, please feel free to swing by my blog, which is www.icsedgwick.com, and that's Sedgwick spelled S-E-D-G-W-I-C-K. And you can find all of the links, images, and other bits and pieces that hopefully you enjoy. So have an absolutely fab week ahead, and I'll see you soon. Cheerio!